Hello and welcome to a way too early mock draft with the 4 for 4 staff. Some of my favorite people on this call. I'm excited to just chat informally about the upcoming fantasy football season. That's just a, a brief six months, six, seven months away from now. Uh, we're going to do this early mock redraft. It's a one quarterback, two running back, three wide receiver, one tight end, one flex, and four bench spots draft. So only 12 rounds today. We skipped the kicker and defense because we all know we should be waiting until the end of the draft for kicker and defense anyway. And it's a half PPR format with 12 teams. We have seven of us on the line today, and we're going to chat and talk about the picks that we like, don't like, the picks we want, and maybe we'll do some little flag planting. I'm not sure where we're going to go. Uh, right now, first up on the clock is our friend Jeff with DLF, who is uh, not on the call today. But I do want to turn our attention to my friend Chris Allen quickly before we get going on the draft and just say, Chris, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> the, 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 the bagels had a wonderful season they're going to be back next year how you holding up i'm fine actually uh jen messaged me yesterday like asking or just like saying she was sorry too, apologizing for the way things wound up but honestly i'm not that mad about it though uh yeah. just looking at either like whether it's going to be whether it would have been the eagles or the 49ers i do think that the eagles roster i mean they're just stacked from top to bottom I didn't really see a path for, I mean, Cincinnati could have pulled out the win. Obviously anything can happen. It's a one game sample, yada, yada, yada. But I do think with the way that the playoffs uh, like ran out, you know, losing almost like an offensive lineman every single week, hopefully they go back. And with the cap space that they have, I think they're like top 10 in terms of like cap space available. I mean, they should be able to retool their roster, hopefully bring back, bring in some more players on the defensive side, and we should have a better shot at getting to the Super Bowl next season. Excellent, excellent. I, I, uh, I, super, super excited about the future of the Bengals. And I was wrong. Our own Jeff Hicks, who is on the call, was up first today and went with Justin Jefferson. I was talking a little bit offline before we started about this being the first year where I've seen Justin Jefferson being close to a consensus 1.01. Uh, obviously, there's still some love for Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, other players, but. I don't remember a time where we've walked into a redraft season and thought to ourselves, Justin Jefferson is the guy as a receiver. Uh, Jeff, what made you pull the trigger on Jefferson? I think part of it is that I have PTSD watching him twice a year, uh, being a, a Bears fan growing up. Uh, part of it is just he's just so damn good. And it's very clear that uh, even when you have guys like uh, Jamar Chase, you know, where they're in a good system, they have good players and stuff around them that you could have some of those weeks where it can be a little bit different and what to expect from target share, you know, actual like production and stuff. And at least with Justin Jefferson, like Adam Thielen doesn't have the same role. KG Osborne is still more of a uh, uh, a bit player and stuff like that. So, you know, like he's that guy. So that makes a huge difference. But like seeing McCaffrey and Eckler go like I can't really complain with any of those either. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Jen, I'm going to just kind of throw to you. We saw McCaffrey and Eckler go off. I'm not really going to name off the pick since uh, our uh, viewing audience here is uh, very intelligent and can see all the picks as they go. Uh, I do want to say, Jen, uh, Travis Kelsey going fourth. Our own John Paulson picked Travis Kelsey. Uh, is that surprising to you that he goes that high in a non-tight end premium league? No, not at all. I mean, we're at a point now. We, we saw this season. It's Kelsey or no one. So if you're going to pay up, I think you're going to have to do it in the first, you know, four to five picks. Uh, I just don't see, you know, last year there was a little trepidation. Uh, 
because of his age. I think we've we've seen now that that's not really an issue. So I feel like uh, Kelsey, you know, if you're going to pay up and, and in, in your league where you just do not want to worry about, we saw how absolutely ugly tight end was this season. If you don't want to to play the stream game all season, then just you got you got to grab him early. Excellent. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it was so ugly after Kelsey this year. Like even our uh, old stalwarts did not pan out for us, Dad. It was very upsetting. Uh, our uh, friend Justin down there, uh, Cooper Cup. Any concerns about that injury or just the utter collapse of that offense and team this year, Justin? Uh, taking Cooper Cup there in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't I don't know where his recovery is right now, but we saw what he can do even on that pretty miserable offense last year. Um, they still have Stafford. I'm sure they're going to address the offensive line through the offseason. So, I mean, he has top three wide receiver finish upside, so I don't mind him there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Neil, I want to ask you real quick, uh, not about your pick, which was uh, Jonathan Taylor, which makes perfect sense. Uh, Saquon Barkley just went to our friend over at DLF, Jeff Smith. And I'm just curious, do you have any reservations about Saquon Barkley coming off that bounce back season, going into free agency uh, on this Giants team? What are your thoughts on Barkley with the uncertainty on that team? The uncertainty is worrying because, you know, this is a team that basically come out and said, we're going to pay our running back. And as soon as anyone says that, I start, you know, alerting the nurse that it's time for their nap <laughs> and things like this. But it's Until we know, you know, are they going to pay Jones big money and then maybe tag Barkley or are they going to do it the other way around or I mean personally I'd like to see the Giants make the wrong decision mm -hmm. because you know, <laughs> they, they seem to have a track record of doing that but we saw that last year they started the season making him the workhorse and then towards the back end they sort of tapered off a bit and made mm -hmm. him I'm not saying they put it all on Daniel Jones but they certainly gave him more to do but I think you know we probably still got at least another year of Barkley as long as he stays healthy, giving us fairly elite production. So I, I don't have any great concerns about him at the moment. Excellent, excellent. I, uh, I, I'm happy for that kid. Just happy that he came back and had a good season after, uh, you know, being kind of struggling with injuries and things of that sort. Uh, Andrew, we just saw Kenneth Walker go to Jeff Hazley, our friend Jeff Hazley. Uh, Kenneth Walker, that's the uh, first time we've seen a second year back in this draft so far. Uh, went ahead of Brees Hall went ahead of uh, some other options that are out on the table, including Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon. Uh, what do you think about Kenneth Walker at the end of the first round? And is this a trend we can kind of expect going into next season? Um, I mean, I don't hate it at all. It's kind of hard to uh, to fade him just based on his production as a rookie. It is interesting because I feel like I was just looking at kind of what ADP uh, was for, you know, obviously you're, you're pulling from a pretty small sample size at this point in the season, but it, it, it seemed pretty common that there were like two to three max running backs going in the first round, which would, you know, if that were to pan out in reality would be unlike any other draft year that I can remember. Um, so it's, uh, it's just interesting in terms of, I think you're going to regret, you know, like players are going to regret if, if that en ended up being the case. I, I just don't feel like you're going to hit on that many first round wide receiver slash tight end options without having the ability, you know, to lock down that, that really strong kind of anchor running back. And I mean, just in terms of play volume, it's kind of hard to, to not like a Walker pick in the first round. I kind of, uh, I love that kid. I, I hope he can do it. Obviously, we got to see what happens with Rashad Penny. He's going to be a free agent again. Can't imagine he's going to get a big deal. Maybe he comes back in a one-year deal, but can't deny the talent. I'm excited. Um, Jen, 
Uh, receiver, receiver, number one, you went receiver, receiver at the back end of the first round. That's something I know you and I like to do. Uh, number two, you just taught me that I can't wait on CD Lamb, which is going to make me sad now. Now I'm going to have you to know, reach on CD Lamb, and I don't want to do that. I, I feel like I reached on him, to be honest. I just, <laughs> I, I almost went Hill. I was close. Um, but without knowing the quarterback situation in Miami, I mean, we, I guess, are we to assume Tua comes back? Maybe he physically can't i don't know you know it's really early as far as his concussion situation his career um we don't you know so i just kind of i went lamb i don't know i don't know that i love it though i'm gonna be honest <laughs> i love it he was so good when dak was playing when dak wasn't no. playing he struggled but he was so mm -hmm. good when dak was playing uh let's see here so i just took nick chubb um naji harris nick chubb i apparently am going running back running back which uh <laughs> five years ago would have been very normal for me nowadays i like to mix it up a little bit uh neil you went running back running back as well with uh, a couple guys who i guess kind of disappointed this year but the talent's still there what's your thinking there going taylor swift one two well, for the kickoff, it's Taylor Swift. So I think oh. we can all get behind that. <laughs> um, I just think that hopefully we saw that even in the season when, uh, when Taylor was the overall RB1, he doesn't have the ultimate ceiling that someone like Christian McCaffrey can have, certainly from a points per game. But I think even if we assume they are to upgrade the quarterback room in Indianapolis, which doesn't take a lot to do, I don't think, that he is going to be a big part excuse me, of the offense. So I've got no cards within there being the workhorse. Swift is one of those frustrating things because obviously he had someone there who um, has a God-given right to all the rushing touchdowns in Detroit. But Jamal Williams obviously is a free agent. We don't know if he'll come back. I'm sure they'd like him back. But if he doesn't, and they can just say to, you know, to DeAndre Swift, well, okay, we'll give you some of the goal line work in addition to all his receiving work. I think he could... He could fulfill the role we hoped he would last year, this year. Let's let's hope so. I uh, I was sure bullish on DeAndre Swift, and the fact that he's so active in the passing game does give him that upside. Uh, Chris, I want to ask you about your T. Higgins pick, and then I also, before we get in there, just quickly, Jamal Williams, the, the season he had in Detroit, kind of piggybacking off the DeAndre Swift conversation, is that Jamal Williams' touchdown production sustainable, in your opinion? Are, are you going to draft him accordingly this year, or would you be more apt to think that there's some regression? Is that for me or Neil? Chris. Oh, yeah. I, I think sustainable. I mean, the usage, I think, is, is sustainable because mm -hmm. the, Detroit found at least a way to efficiently work in both him and DeAndre Swift. Now, can I see DeAndre Swift like working into that workhorse level back that we all like want him to be? No, just because the offense continues to move the ball effectively, like with the two kind of working in tandem with each other. And do I, am I expecting him to, what was it? He broke, uh, who was it, like Barry Sanders' like record or something like that this past season? I'm not expecting that. But can he have uh, get back close to like double-digit touchdowns because he gets the short yardage work, he gets the third, uh, the third down work? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I can see that happening again next season. And tell me about your T. Higgins pick. Uh, 19th in fantasy points per game last year. Not quite as high as you drafted him. Obviously, the talent is there. The offense is worth investing in. What made you pull the trigger on Higgins in the late second round? It's just more about the bet of the off, this offseason, them kind of revamping or like having another evolution of what that passing offense is going to look like. So much of the offense was predicated on whether or not like Jamar Chase was going to be healthy. And we saw more of those spike weeks when Jamar Chase was out. 
My hope is that during the off season that they do a little bit of soul searching and find a way to incorporate all three of them. I mean, including like Tyler Boyd being put into the mix a bit more versus just using Higgins as more of that jump ball contested catch receiver, which we saw being at least useful in the playoffs. But on a week to week basis, my hope is that they try and find a way to get them both on the field and both used effectively, both not just as, uh, again, like a downfield threat, but also, I mean, T can also run like a, a produce after the catch as well. So my hope is that we see more of an evening out split between the two of them versus what we saw this past season where it was Jamar Chase at 28, 29 percent target share and T more down in like the 21, 22 percent range. Yeah, uh, full talent, uh, full talent available to the Bengals with T. Higgins. Obviously, he does everything well. Uh, our own John Paulson took Jalen Waddle in the second round. Started out with Kelsey Waddle. Uh, that's two Dolphins receivers in the second round, which obviously would have panned out this season. But Jen, as a fellow Dolphins fan, uh, I wanted to know what your take is. You talked about the uncertainty surrounding Tua and the quarterback situation in general. We know Mike McDaniel likes to run. Do you think that with that uncertainty, that these two receivers can live up to ADP if it sticks to a second? round yeah i mean the talent yeah, yeah I, I think so i think there's no uh, there's no question there they're both uh talented we saw this year that they can both eat equally uh in that mm -hmm. offense so yeah i think they're both there i don't know i mean waddle um second round is interesting i would have coming into this thought maybe he was an early third but then again you know i, I have no clue we're we're not even done with this season yet so um <laughs> it's a little early but uh yeah no i think they both absolutely uh will you know have have the potential to uh perform at adp sure i uh, i sure hope so as a dolphins fan i'm hoping for uh nothing but the best in Miami for both those uh, receivers, especially Jalen Waddle, because I just like to dance the penguin at my house. It just makes me happy that a touchdown happens. I penguin, the girls get excited. Everything is fun. Uh, Jeff Hicks, you just took Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones. That's a nice start there. Two solid running backs and the, the premier receiver in fantasy. How do you feel about going Mixon Jones on the two, three turn for the one position? I would have felt better if it was T Higgins. Um, <laughs> that that would have felt a lot better if it was T Higgins. And and the reason, like I I agree with Chris's explanation, only if he remains a Bengal, um, just because they're going to be running into some concerns with money for some of those guys coming up. And I just don't know if T Higgins is traded like this off season, if he's traded next off season. So that's kind of the thing. But with my picks, Joe Mixon, uh, the receiving work out of the backfield is is nice enough. Um, even with Samaj P. Ryan there for another year, assuming uh, I just and then it's a better offense. You want guys in good offenses. And then Aaron Jones, even with A.J. Dillon, Aaron Rodgers, who cares? Like um, it could be Jordan Love there, too. I just I just think that he's multifaceted and having two running backs that can, you know, potentially push 50 to 60 receptions. Um, it's going to be tough to find that a little bit later on with their rushing workload as well. Excellent. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting to see Mixon and Jones. It's exciting to see Higgins uh, go this high. This is fun. Uh, Andrew, you took DK Metcalf, another guy who uh, fell short of expectations this year despite Seattle's offense doing a little better than we expected, I think. Uh, what made you go with DK Metcalf in the third round considering he was 27th in fantasy points per game last year? Um, I kind of like uh, the opportunity for the uh, Seahawks to improve offensively You know, with a full year Geno where it was kind of like Nobody, probably including them, knew exactly what they were getting, um, you know, and I think they can adjust uh, their their plan enough around him to, to improve their their output. Um, and I'm also in a very weird place right now because I never uh, 
go running back heavy early. So I'm <laughs> certainly not used to the options. Uh, you know, DK Metcalf. I was considering Devonta Smith here, but that seemed a little bit early. But you know, as far as being comfortable with with him as my wide receiver one, it's a it's a strange place for me to be. But uh, in terms of upside, I think uh, you know, looking at what he's got versus some of the other receivers in his vicinity, I kind of. Sure, sure. Uh, obviously, a ton of talent there. And when John Paulson has joined us, John, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Chris, I wanted to quickly uh, ask you about Bajon Robinson. Our first rookie is off the board, early third round. What made you go with Robinson? Uh, just looking at the available running backs that were there, and I know it's like half PPR, and if it had been like full point PPR, I might have pulled the trigger at my T. Higgins pick. But just looking at the fact that he has one of the few running backs coming out of this upcoming class that has both the rushing and pass catching upside. Uh, this is according to Anthony Amico that came out earlier today uh, for in the past, uh, this probably like 15 to 20 years or so. Uh, only uh, running back prospects to eclipse 400 carries, 40 receptions and average at least six yards per carry and 10 yards per reception since 2000. Reggie Bush, Jamal Charles, Duke Johnson, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook and Bijan Robinson. So it's a good list to be a part of. And with the fact that he's probably going to be one of the highly touted running backs, we can expect high draft capital from him too. So we can reasonably expect a decent workload for him coming out of the gate. So, I mean, all in all, I think third round might be a little high, but I'd rather take him at least see where my team falls now versus waiting until midsummer when he gets steamed up into, let's say, like the mid early second or something ridiculous. Sure. I uh, I love me a rookie running back. And I think I thought right it was word. Brian Robinson. I was like, huh. All right. <laughs> That's an interesting pick. I like I like big hats. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I just because uh, it doesn't say it doesn't have a team or anything. So I guess that would make sense then. Okay. It would make sense. There's no anyway, John uh, alluded quickly that you had joined us. Thanks for coming on. You also kicked off the quarterback start in this draft. The early third round, Patrick Mahomes, first quarterback off the board. How do you feel about that? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to be here. I wasn't expecting to actually be on camera, but I wanted to hear you guys pan my picks. <laughs> um, so, but thanks for Saul for or Sal for putting me on. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I think uh, you know, looking at the early ADP at underdog and just the nature of the, the quarterback landscape, uh, I don't know that late round quarterback is going to be as viable uh, of an option. I'm sure, I'm sure there's going to be some guys pop up like Geno Smith did this year where you can. Go go real late, but um, and get somebody good. But um, I kind of am approaching 2023, wanting to get one of these top tier guys because I think they're they're so valuable uh, compared to the low end QB one, uh, high end QB two types. Uh, so there's a little bit more of a disparity, I think, with this this top tier. So I was uh, you know looking at it at, at the end of the second round here, and I took my Waddle uh, pick there, and I was thinking, well, I think you know I thought maybe there'd be one or two quarterbacks already gone. And I figured that if I went receiver there, I should be able to get one of the top three guys. And, you know, they all, all three of them were there uh, for me at the, in the third round, I wasn't going to wait any longer. And I, you know, I was kind of thinking about Robinson there uh, maybe in the fourth, I was hoping that you'd all forget uh, about rookies and not know that he was available <laughs> in the, in the draft, uh, room. but I think he'll be a, he'll be a strong, uh, you know, rookie running back this year. Excellent. Well, it certainly kicked off a little bit of a, a quarterback run there. Neil took Josh Allen, and then I took Jalen Hurts uh, for the same reasons you outlined there, John. I want one of those top three, and he was the last one left. I didn't want to wait. Uh, Justin, you kicked off the sophomore receiver 
approach here with Garrett Wilson and also your third receiver uh, in three rounds. So uh, tell, take us through your approach to the sophomore receiver class and also your approach starting three receivers in this draft. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was I was pretty set on uh, Jalen Hurts there till you snipe me. That's fine. <laughs> so open for a little Eagles pairing here. Um, I like Wilson just as a um, just a super high upside guy, depending on what they do with their quarterback situation. It might not pan out, but if I can have like three possibly top 15 wide receivers on my team, I can kind of deal with the rest later. And at this point, I'll just have to deal with my running backs later, which is usually a pretty common approach for me if I'm not in the top three or four picks. So Jeff went with uh, Chris Alave. What made you decide to go Wilson over Alave? Both obviously coming off really, really solid, uh, you know, rookie receive rookie receiving years. Yeah, that's a pretty. I mean, that's kind of a coin flip. Honestly, they both have questionable quarterback situations. We'll see if Dalton's still around, or I don't know what's going on with Winston either. So I think they're kind of both in quarterback purgatory there. So you could probably convince me on either one. Sure. Uh, Jen, Dalvin Cook, your first running back in the fourth round. Dalvin Cook in the fourth round. I mean, I had to do it. I don't want him, honestly, but he's in the fourth round. I, I, whatever. He's there. Um, I really was, uh, yeah, I got kind of sniped a couple times on this last round, so uh, it was a bit of a scramble. I was somehow hoping that you guys waited, and then I was going to end up with my Diggs Allen stack, uh, but that obviously did not happen, so... Um, yeah, I mean, do I love Dalvin Cook? No, but I think in the fourth round, I think that's a pretty good value. And then uh, Michael Pittman, why did you decide to go Pittman over the other available receivers? I, I feel like this is a point in the draft where the receivers are kind of a big bunch of of, of talent. Uh, what made you decide with Pittman? I just kind of went youth there. Like I was looking, like you got Evans, you got Allen. You, I, I don't know. It, it was more of just a – it was all – I'm going to be honest. It was kind of a panic pull, but at the same time, I don't hate it. I mean, the talent is absolutely there. Um, it will depend on uh, quarterback, but I just kind of went youth. Uh, excellent. Neil, uh, we just saw Amari Cooper go uh, to draft buddy, get, went out there. Uh, just curious, Neil, what your take is on that Browns offense. Are you buying those weapons, hoping that Deshaun Watson can uh, rekindle some of the Houston magic in year two? You'd like to think so, because obviously they do have some talent there. You know, Cooper had a quietly nice season. You know, it's, it's almost as if the Cowboys could have done with a player like him, but, you know, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> um, you've also got, you know, Njoku. We know they want to run the ball. And it, it just feels that this offense should be better than what we saw. I mean, it's obviously it's a bit of a hindrance when your quarterback doesn't play for 700 days for a number of reasons that we won't go into, I'm sure. So, I mean, I don't hate Cooper because he seems to be that you know what you're going to get from him. You know, he's probably never going to have the astonishingly high weeks. He's going to have a couple of weeks where it's just like, my God, why did I start him? But most of the time, from where he's gone in the draft there, with all the wide receivers who've gone ahead of him, I don't hate it. I mean, they're going to have to pass the ball because it's a rather competitive division. So, yeah, don't hate that at all. Excellent. Uh I just took Terry McLaurin. Uh, you know, I just keep taking Terry McLaurin every year. He just, you know, it doesn't matter that he disappoints at ADP. He's still really good and still really good. So I'm just going to keep taking him until he retires. I've decided that's just going to be what I do. Uh, John, you talked about Bijan Robinson a little bit and the talent that you've got and where you go. I was just curious, do you have a favorite landing spot for him or a place where you're really hoping as we watch the draft that they add Bijan Robinson? Because I, I was looking at the landscape of, 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 
running backs around the league. And it doesn't seem like there's a glaring spot that says where a rookie back comes in and gets 20 plus touches. I'm just curious your hopes in that situation. Yeah. I mean, this is really early. It's January 31st. I haven't uh, looked too closely wait, at. Wait, uh, wait. You, uh, you haven't completely uh, dove into this yet, John. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, uh, I did. I mean, I did actually put together some rankings for this draft because I didn't want to come off and, and, you know, do a terrible job, but um, I mean, I, I just took Josh Jacobs. You know, he's a free agent. It doesn't seem like Vegas is going to resign him. So, you know, if he goes elsewhere, it'll be likely be as a uh, lead back, uh, bell cow type. And I think Bajan could land with uh, Vegas, Vegas perhaps. Um, you know, they're we're going to have some running back turnover, I think, uh, around the league. But you know, nothing else right now is popping out as a, a great landing spot for him. Perhaps Atlanta. Yeah, so it's it's uh, you know a little dicey, and we, you know we're not even into draft time yet, so we really haven't taken a close look at this. Excellent, uh, Chris. You just took Keenan Allen. Uh, same question to you, since you took the rookie, uh, the the vaunted rookie. Uh, where would you like to see him land? And then, how do you feel about Keenan Allen in the fourth round? Uh, for Keenan Allen, I kind of like it. I do have some concerns, like overall, about. Uh, this Kellen Moore, uh, Justin Herbert pairing. I mean, not just for the sense that we could see Justin uh, Justin Herbert start to push the ball a bit farther downfield, which was a huge part of why we were appreciative of Dak Prescott and the Cowboys offense. But in terms of like the timing routes that Kellen Moore was using, like down uh, down in Dallas, I mean, that's still a pretty big staple, or I would assume it will still be a staple of uh, the Chargers offense, like moving forward, and do they have the guys that are capable of doing it? I mean, outside of Keenan Allen, who do we really expect to be able to be those guys to kind of uh, that we want Herbert to hit those types of routes on? I mean, Mike Williams, more of a contested catch type of guy. Jo- Joshua Palmer is he's fine. DeAndre Carter, like more of a down the field threat. Gerald Everett, I mean, just the personnel essentially, it kind of feels like the same type of personnel that Kellen Moore was dealing with, like back in uh, back in Dallas. And Keenan Allen really is the only one that kind of fits into that uh, that CD Lamb like interior slot man beater like type of role. So I think he's probably right now outside of Austin Eckler since I picked him up earlier. Uh, he's like those two are probably like the most comfortable pieces I feel uh, drafting out of the Chargers group. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's kind of a dice roll. But that's just kind of my first blush at the Chargers offense. Uh, but for Bijan specifically, uh, I think John laid out like a pretty. Co- uh, pretty decent number of uh, potential like landing spots I'm trying to think of some other places that could potentially like use a guy like him and nothing's really kind of shaping up or at least doesn't make sense. I mean, I've seen folks like talk about like Dallas adding him because, you know, uh, Tony Pollard is likely to walk like a, as a free agent like this season. Uh, but that seems like, it seems like a Jerry Jones like type of pick uh, with Ezekiel Elliott kind of being on the back end of his career. Uh, but I can't, again, thinking out like, like, just coming to mind, I can't think of a place that could like really use him in the way that from a fantasy standpoint would wind up like being like essentially like productive in the way that we want him to be. I think Miami might be a good spot. I just, yeah, yeah. Miami's a good spot. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Unfortunately, Miami doesn't have a first round pick and I got to think he goes in the first, right? Uh, Maybe because I think just like last year, we kind of saw like the teams kind of shying away from uh, at least like wanting to invest highly like into running backs. And maybe that's kind of a shift that we see like moving forward as teams are more apt to want to try and like cycle through them as quickly as possible. Just knowing about the the half life of the running back position, that sort of thing. Sure. I've seen them mocked around the 30, 31st. So if they had to come up, they wouldn't have to go that far. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, uh, and as a Dolphins fan, I would be in full support of this. No offense to Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert or, or anything along those <laughs> lines. Uh, Jeff, Justin Fields in the fifth round. Uh, is that uh, where you expect to see him go? Or is that a little bit of your fandom showing up? Yes, is the answer. Um, <laughs> I, I think you're going to see a, a drop in rushing just naturally. Like part of that was, you know, hair on fire, you know, safety you know, type of stuff. But with the Bears having the most cap money to spend, uh, they're going to have some draft equity. They trade out of the first pick. Um, they actually have competency in the front office, finally, with Kevin Warren uh, coming on as president. And then Ryan Poles may may be good. We don't know yet, um, especially with that Chase Claypool pick. Uh, that trade, that was awful. But um I think if you add a receiver in free agency, even it's DJ Chark, you draft another one at some point, you know, that's Darna moving the slot, you know, two outside receivers, you know, Cleo Herbert, and then add running back, whether it's, you know, Montgomery on a year deal or somebody else, you know, Cole Komet is nice, but that's, that's an instant upgrade right there. So lose a little bit of rushing equity for past touchdown equity, more yards, uh, that type of thing. So he's he's not going to be a guy that's going to be thrown for 303 every game. Uh, but what he does with his legs, his size, and stuff like that, it's pretty tough to match when you're looking for mobility out of your quarterback. Excellent. Yeah, I uh, I had him in a lot of leagues this year. It was a lot of fun to watch him play. I hope he takes that next step and uh, really shows up. I hope Chicago can bring in a pass catcher for him. Uh, Andrew, uh, from the absolute boomer bust category here, we've got Calvin Ridley there in the early fifth round. To take us through that selection, Andrew. Well, I think, you know, if he is to be reinstated, which all signs seem to be point. I mean, certainly the Jaguars seem pretty confident that he's going to be reinstated, you know, that you essentially have the wide receiver one in that offense, uh, deep wide receiving course. So there's a little bit of target volume, uh, concern there where, you know, for him to be a true alpha number one, but you know, you can't forget about the last time he was on a field, he, uh, performed exceptionally well. And it's more of, I think, more of a bet on talent than anything. I mean, who among us doesn't like to bet on a game, you know? He's, he's <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, yeah, I think looking at some of the other options there, I mean, I was definitely hemming and hawing between him and uh, Hawkinson there. Um, but I just kind of like the upside. And whereas normally I think he he's going to sink a little bit further uh, earlier in the offseason, I think, it, you know, obviously once the result of the suspension comes out and the, the – offseason progresses i have to imagine he's going to be higher up than than uh, uh fifth round <laughs> we'll definitely be waiting at beta breath to find out his status as he becomes eligible for reinstatement uh talented kid on an emerging offense very interesting to me uh neil you went with tj hawkinson he's the fifth tight end off the board uh obviously coming off a very good season or at least as good as tight ends get outside of travis kelsey uh went after kyle pitts walk us through tj hawkinson and then also uh let me know what you think about pitts in the fourth our friend sal uh, took Kyle Pitts and obviously one of the most disappointing fantasy picks of the season, even before he got hurt. Uh, tell me, tell me about your tight ends a little bit, Neil. Well, obviously we know that the best way to improve your passing offense is back-to-back -back years, invest high picks on a tight end, a wide receiver, and then run the living piss out of the ball. You know, that's, that's <laughs> the best way to guarantee production at a very high sure. level. So I, I just, Pitts worries me. Obviously he's coming He's going to come back off an injury. I still don't know what to make of that team. 
you know, it's, Arthur Smith just seems like he's here just to troll fantasy managers and not actually <laughs> win games. Which, you know, if that is your goal, then, you know, all power to you, noble pursuit and all that. But I just think that when we saw what Hawkinson did when he first, when he came to the Vikings, I mean, he was second to Travis Kelsey from week 10 onwards in most of the, the key receiving stats. Most of their other pass catching options are, I'll be polite here, dust. Um, so I don't think, you know, Adam Phelan, I can't see him staying around for long. KJ Osborne is okay, but it looks like he's going to be. Hawkinson, at least, is going to be the second choice behind Justin Jefferson in a team that has shown that they're probably going to have to pass the ball a lot more because they can't guarantee they're going to be in that many one-score games that they'll come out on top again. Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, defense kind of had some issues in Minnesota as well, too. They've got, still got questions of the secondary. I'm with you. I think they're going to throw. I really like Hawkinson. I think that's a great pick. Uh, John, Sal also took J.K. Dobbins. Uh, obviously, we're getting down into the area of running backs where we are taking some guesses and taking some hopes. Dobbins finished the season quietly pretty strong. What's your early take looking at Dobbins going into the offseason? Yeah, I mean, I think it was funny watching him get into arguments with Ian Rappaport, and then you know he ultimately was you know proven wrong. He wasn't ready to play at the start. But once he got out, I mean, we know he's a talented guy. I think the issue with, with Baltimore uh, over the last several years has been uh, sort of a timeshare uh, in that backfield and – we did see some of that with Gus Edwards, but then we we did see some games where uh, they were leaning on Dobbins and he was basically the bell cow. And if he gets into that sort of role, that's great. Uh, I think the primary issue with Baltimore, you know, other than the fact that RBC is a potential problem, is that they don't throw to their running backs, you know, hardly at all. So you get into PPR or even half PPR, and there's a downgrade there for for Dobbins. He really has to tear it up and and basically get 80 plus yards and a touchdown every week really to return or every other week to really return value. Um, but, you know, young, talented guy, he's going to be a year removed now from this injury and, and, you know, should have a strong season. Excellent. Uh, Justin, you took Javante Williams there at the uh, kind of middle tier of the fifth round. Uh, Javante Williams, obviously upside, but with how much Denver struggled last year, uh, what has you hopeful about that offense? Uh, not a ton. Um, he's still also <laughs> recovering, right? Yeah. He's still also recovering, so it's a possibility he's not even ready for week one. But just the idea of someone who could really take the whole backfield moving forward, um, there's not a lot of options left. Maybe Damian Pierce, but you would think they're going to add someone who's a little less of a bruiser there. Um, I have no idea who Gibbs is. Jameer Gibbs, he's kind of the consensus number two running back in this draft class. That, mm-hmm. That's what I. That's what I figured. I where'd he go? He's Alabama. Where's he currently going? Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I should probably know that. Um, there's there's got to be some sort of upside in the Broncos' offense. They didn't show any of that last year, but I don't know. With all the hope that we had going into the 2022 season, maybe there's a, a bounce back in store here. Sure. That that makes sense. Uh, John, I'm going to go back to you. I know I just asked you a question, but we just saw Christian Watson go uh, in the sixth round. And since you're a Green Bay Packers fan and Watson uh, sure had some fire weeks this season, uh, what do you think about Watson, where he's being drafted? Do you think that's a good value? Uh, well, I mean, all due respect to Jeff, uh, I understand the upside there. But, uh, you know, for him to go a- a- ahead of some of the veterans that are on still on the board seems a little optimistic uh, to me, given uh, the quarterback situation in, in um, Green Bay, uh, we just don't know what we're going to get. And, you know, if it's if it's Aaron Rodgers, then I can co- I sort of see it. Uh, if it's Jordan Love, then we really have a big question mark at, 
at quarterback in terms of what type of player Love is and what this offense will look like with Love under center. Um, certainly, like as a Packer fan, I'm happy that he broke out. He really broke out in a big way. But I don't, I, you know, I think given the the other players available right now, it's a little bit uh, optimistic to take him. Uh, makes sense to me, Jen. Uh, you just took Dalton Schultz and Damian Pierce. Uh, obviously, nice, solid running backs for going so late. I'm curious about the Schultz pick. Uh, Schultz combined with Darren Waller, Dallas Goddard, Dawson Knox, Pat Fryermuth, kind of a grouping of talent there. Uh, what made you decide Schultz over the other available options? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I was just kind of, like you said, I mean, they're all kind of together. Um, I just, you know, Waller, we don't know the quarterback situation there. Um, you know, I had a lot of Goddard this year, so I kind of got burnt out from him. Uh, Knox is, is hit or miss. I mean, they're all kind of the same. Schultz is just has been pretty solid. You know, he's just been a guy that uh, in that offense has always shown up when need be. So uh, I just kind of went that route. I probably could have waited. I wasn't really sure though. I didn't want to kind of end up um, in the, you know, Gasicki Higby uh, category. So I, that's <laughs> why I pulled the trigger. As we know, Mike Gasicki's still not Jenna approved. Oh no, never. not approved. Well, no, never, never. <laughs> and I was right, by the way. Just I think so. You were right. You were a hundred percent right. Jen. I wouldn't bring it up if you weren't right, Jen. You know that. I wouldn't do that to you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Neil, you just took DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, how do you feel about DeAndre Hopkins with the uh, trade rumors swirling? Kind of ended the season solid, but then nicked up. What do you think about Hopkins? Obviously, the uncertainty of where he's going to play doesn't help. But the fact that he is being mooted as a potential trade seems to think that people think he's still got enough in him to be the guy wherever he goes. I mean, if it obviously if it goes somewhere like Chicago, then you know, no, no disrespect to the Bears fans amongst us, but it's, it could be risky. But if he can go to an offense that, you know, is going to pass the ball and he doesn't have to shoulder the entire load so he can, you know, string it out a bit longer, maybe, you know, bank on his efficiency a bit more, I don't think it's a terrible pick. He says, patting himself on the back. I just, I think I've left myself with that few <laughs> options at wide receiver. You know, with my Lucy taking the ball away from Charlie Brown with DJ Moore for the 25th season in a row, thinking it could be this year. You know, there's <laughs> there's there's not an awful lot else at wide receiver to bank on. So, excellent. I uh, I, I I like him. I, I've always loved Hop. I've always really enjoyed Nuck. Uh, so, uh, Chris, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I would say one of the most um. One of the most least talked about good seasons this year, Brandon Ayuk had. Uh, how do you feel about him rounding out your starting wide receiver core? I think he's like one of the receivers I'll probably be targeting the most. And this is just because if you if you look at like his usage stats, especially in the offense, everybody looks at it's Debo, it's Kittle because the touchdowns and his connection with Purdy. And then, of course, like Christian McCaffrey kind of starting off the entire skill position group considering he went like, what, what did he go, like second? Yeah, second overall, like right before my pick in the first round. But Ayuk is still like, you know, third down usage, uh, still used like once they get into the red zone and capable of generating yak. But he's one of like the lesser talked about players in San Francisco, despite being as as productive, uh, at least from a target utilization standpoint. So I'm excited. I mean, it's really just about the like who, what the quarterback situation is going to look like now with Purdy debating on if he's going to get surgery and, and all that, if they bring back Garoppolo, Tom Brady, I guess, has heard like rumored to be in the mix or something along those lines. Uh, so either way, regardless of who winds up being under center, we know that Kyle Shanahan can 
at least generate an efficient offense. And Ayuk has been a part of it. And like you just mentioned, he was effective throughout the entirety of the season, even up until what like what turned out to be kind of a bummer of an NFC championship game. Yeah, that was so disappointing. Just the way that I mean, I'm happy for the Eagles and super happy for Jalen Hurts and Devontae yeah. Smith and AJ Brown. But uh, but yeah, to see it go down with the 49ers basically not having a healthy quarterback for most of the game was like uh, two unhealthy quarterbacks. Yeah, it was that was that was unfortunate. Uh, yeah. Andrew, I, I'm just going to change your team name to uh, range of outcomes. That's just what I'm going to change your team name to. Andrew, I love it. Uh, Darren Waller, you went with, uh, you know, high upside guy. You chose him over guys like Pat Fryermuth, Sackerts, Cole Komet, Dawson Knox. What made you go with Waller? Maybe Andrew froze a little bit, so that's okay. I'll go with Jeff and uh, and ask Jeff about his receiver tree to, uh, duo that he just grabbed. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Tyler Lockett, uh, both talented players. Lockett coming off a, a better-than-expected season, I think. What made you go with those two, Jeff? Well, very much like we're seeing with players such as Javante Williams and Jerry Judy. Like, I don't know if we can get much worse for some of these Broncos players, so you're just kind of <laughs> betting on, like, even just a floor being, you know, sustainable that type of thing. So like that's, that's, you know, and just Sutton's just so good, just such a good player to be getting, you know, then the sixth round and same with like Lockett, like just criminally underdrafted last year. Um, just one of those guys that he, especially when we're talking half PPR and PPR, he's just one of those guys that you want to have because you're, you're going to have a floor more often than not. And even when he does catch one or two balls in the game, sometimes those are the games where he gets, you know, 20 yards per catch and stuff like that. And, Clearly, they're going to try to build something with uh, Geno Smith. That offensive line just got so much better just by drafting two tackles last year. So, you know, they're probably going to add at least another uh, young um, guard, probably, or center somewhere in there. Like, the the arrow's pointing up for Seattle, like, at least. Like, especially with some of the uh, cap um, hell situations that, like, the Rams have or not having, you know, the best draft capital because teams have been so good for so long. Lockett's secretly one of my favorite non-Dolphins in the league. He's just fun to watch. I At least once a year, I see him make a catch that literally makes my jaw drop. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just amazing to me. Uh, Andrew, uh, welcome back. I, I, I know you had a crashing situation, which happens from time to time. I was going to ask you about Darren Waller. Uh, I'm going to change the name of your team to the, uh, the range of outcomes team because uh, you've got so much upside, downside risk. It's, it's fun. What made you go with Waller there in the uh, sixth round? Well, yeah, there's, I mean, you've got the combo of whether his recovery this year was more of a not quite ready to return or whether it's an indicator of a bit of a fall off in production. And of course, the the larger unknown at quarterback, uh, I guess I'm looking at it as, you know, if, if he does uh, come back to full health and back to, if not, um, you know, pr- prior performance, at least close to it, it's hard to see a, a quarterback uh, situation that wouldn't be somewhat of an upgrade. Um, so, I mean, arguably, I'm not really sure if, if Tom Brady would be the answer in that scenario. Uh, but certainly, if they if they were to to to, to target it via the draft or uh, or, or some kind of uh, a better option, I think than uh, Derek Carr. But I think his upside at that point, you know, based on some of the other uh, tight ends available, I. It's going to be another year where I talk myself into like five tight ends that are drafted in double digit rounds and they all <laughs> suck. It's just going to be, that's right. just going to be another year that I do that. Uh, John, I want to talk about your running backs. I like your receiver picks you just took as well, but you took Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard, both pending free agents. Uh, what makes you decide to go with Jacobs and Pollard as your two, uh, two running backs in this league? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the feeling with Vegas was that they would probably move on from Jacobs after this year. We'll see. He's a you know unrestricted free agent. Whoever signs him will probably be signing him to a bell cow lead back role, and he proved last year that he was fully capable of that. He was a fancy RB1, so getting him fourth round, it is a little bit risky because we don't know his landing spot. Um, obviously, if he goes back to Vegas, that's a pretty good spot for him. Um as for Pollard, um, you know, checking in on his injury, it looks like he'll be ready for training camp. Uh, yes, also a, a free agent, but uh, there's some rumblings that they might move on from uh, Ezekiel Elliott. That would obviously be uh, ideal for Pollard if they were able to re-sign him and move on from Elliott. Uh, but even if they're both back, then um, we, we saw this year that Pollard took over basically as the fantasy RB1, even though Elliott was getting some of that short – short yardage goal line stuff. Uh, but again, if Pollard moves on, I think he'll go to a, a team that wants him and will, was willing to spend. He's definitely one of the best young running backs in the league. So I figured, uh, you know, early fifth round is a pretty fair price to pay for that. Excellent. Uh, Chris, I wanted to, you took Evan Ingram, which uh, I, I love that pick at this stage. It's another tight end that you never know what's going to happen. Jacksonville sounds like they might want to pay him. Uh, I also, I, I mainly want to get your take on Cam Akers, Chris, because I know you've never been a big Cam Akers guy. He finished the season real strong, uh, just went draft buddy, just took him here in the seventh round. Is this about right for Cam Akers? Are you more interested in him this year after the way he showed up last season, or are you still kind of off? No, I think I'm a bit more interested at that cost. I don't see much of an issue with it. It's just my my thing has always been about the projected touches and utilization for him, like once they get on the field. Because even when like Cam Akers got drafted, I was like, okay, well, everybody was so ready to just like toss like Daryl Henderson like off to the scrap heap. He stayed around. Malcolm Brown like mixed in like at some points throughout the season. So while it didn't turn into just a complete catastrophe in terms of becoming a full-on like RBBC we didn't see acres getting the requisite touches we essentially want him to be to be a let's say like bell cow role which i mean when i think his rookie season he was drafted all the way up in like the third ish round somewhere in there so you're, that's what you're kind of expecting but now that things have kind of mellowed on both his usage and also the rams offense in general and we're hoping to see like justin was saying earlier about the cooper cup pick hopefully he comes back let's assume they get something out of Allen Robinson next season, the offensive line gets healthy and also a bit more, a couple more additions along that offensive line to keep Matt Stafford upright. So overall, I think if the offense is just better, then Cam Akers could have like a, a bit more production on the field. So, but seventh round, I think that's about fair. Excellent. Uh, so I keep saying draft buddy because I'm lazy and I'm reading it off the screen, but that's our friend Mike McGregor, by the way. So uh, <laughs> make sure that you know that it's it's our friend Mike McGregor. There's a person behind draft buddy. It's not a it's not just draft buddy out there. Uh, Neil, you took Brandon Cooks and I'm mad at you for that. And it made me knee jerk take Rashad Bateman, which I'm not thrilled with. So tell me about Brandon Cooks in the seventh round. Well, it's part of my ongoing quest to make sure I hate this team as early as possible, <laughs> which which it's going very well. And especially at the wide receiver. Brandon Cooks is just one of those players that wherever he goes, he screams out that he'd probably be better somewhere else. And that was never more true than last year with the Texans. I mean, they played the Chargers at one point, and it was just like, why are the Chargers allowing him to go and get changed in the Texans' locker room after this game when they should be stealing him? So this is another pick, like Hopkins, where I'm almost praying that they get traded just so they'd be better somewhere else. And then when they don't, I look really, really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Justin, I wanted to uh, chat with you for a second about the tight end position because our friend Pat Fryermuth, who uh, Justin and Jen and I uh, lovingly call Harry Fister for a reason that's escaped us, but that's what we call him. Uh, yeah. Pat Fryermuth just went 10th tight end off the board in seven rounds. Uh, Justin, what makes you, why do you think we went that this crew of four for four staff has have gone 10 tight ends in seven rounds? That seems like a lot. It does seem like a lot. Maybe it's a little, a little FOMO um, yeah. on those top guys. We did go a little extreme. Even my Kittle could have been a little later too. Um, there's certainly nothing wrong with Fryermuth at the end of the seventh round, but it's hard to – I don't know if there's a huge upside for him to be a top three option by the end of the season because there's not that many who could be. We've got Hawkinson, um, Waller, you know. Ingram, maybe. Ingram showed out a lot this year. Yeah, we, we've been pretty tight end heavy this year. As, as someone who wrote the streaming column this past season, there's not a lot of upside <laughs> in that position. <laughs> uh, but I get Jen, it. Uh, Jen, obviously, uh, James Cook was your last pick. That that makes sense. And Traylon Burks, uh, tell me about these two sophomores that you went with here at the turn. Well, I was uh, hoping for Pickens because, you know, I have to have a Georgia player. And so I was hoping for Pickens and he got sniped by uh, Jeff two picks prior. So I set up for Cook. I figured, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a really good sophomore season. We all saw what he can do towards the end of the season uh, when given the opportunity. Um, and I have his brother. So, you know, I might as well just have both. Uh, keep it in the fam there uh, for the Cooks. Uh, Traylon Burks, I don't know. I don't love the pick at all, but um, – Kind of looking at who was left, I, I, I like his upside. I mean, we'll have to wait and see uh, Tennessee-wise. But, you know, he was in and out of being hurt this season, but we did see the talent. I mean, he's good, right? So uh, I figured, you know, uh, in the eighth, I thought it was decent. Uh, John, we also saw Isaiah Pacheco go, and I, I forgive me for asking you a question two picks before it's your pick, but uh, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, one of the mystery men going into this season because you don't know what Kansas City is going to do. Obviously, there's going to be more clarity in a few months on that, but do you have any early takes on how you feel about Pacheco? Uh, no problem asking me a question. As long as these guys don't take my guy, we'll be fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and draft James Conner. Oh, That's nice. Good in the eighth round. Pacheco, yeah, he, I mean, he certainly runs really hard and has really good speed. So I think what they'll probably do is is if they can uh, – I don't know what uh, the status of Jarek McKinnon is in terms of his free agency, but if they can keep that duo, it's been working really well for them second half of the season. Uh, they both – and they're also using Pacheco more over the last couple of games as a receiver, which is a little bit surprising given how effective McKinnon was. Uh, so I think things are pointing up for him. I think that's a, you know, eighth round for, for Pacheco is a pretty good, pretty good value, I think. Excellent, excellent. And Chris, uh, we we have a Jamison Williams sighting here in the eighth round. The Detroit talented receiver spent most of the year injured. Jamison Williams, what made you decide to go with him in the eighth? I think for my, so now that would be what, my fourth receiver. I'm kind of looking for a little bit more of a punch. And then also if he can turn into something like the wide receiver one that Detroit kind of expects him to be moving forward. Because I know they got it in pockets out of DJ Chark. And of course, I'm on Ross St. Brown is going to be the guy on the interior. But they're going to need some more pass catching options as things move forward. And with the way that the offense was kind of moving and being a bit more explosive when Jamison was out on the field. 
while I, I'm assuming the downfield shots are going to be there, but I'm, my thought is that he's going to be able to take a step forward being another year removed, like from the, from the injury that kind of sidelined most of his rookie season. And we get to see him actually kind of take over in terms of like the target volume there. Excellent. Uh, Jen, Rashad White went a little bit ago to our friend Mike McGregor. Uh, went ahead of Leonard Fournette. Uh, I need your take and Twizzler's take on this. Twizzler is not here, unfortunately. I think he left and, uh, and you know, he was very upset that uh, <laughs> that Fournette was not taken first. No, I think that's the right move. I mean, we kind of saw, you know, Leonard Fournette was not uh, not as, uh, you know, as as productive as he's been in, in past years. And he wasn't even, you know, Rashad White is definitely coming on. We knew, you know, as a rookie that uh, they were going to ease him in and he came on at the end of the season. So um, I think that's a good pick there in the uh, in the eighth. Uh, and Andrew, you just took Ty Tyler uh, Algier, who uh, quietest thousand yard season in the league, I think, last year. Uh, solid season for him, sophomore back. Uh, how do you feel about Algier going into next season? Are you concerned they might bring in competition? He definitely, you know, is a is a Michael Carter 2.0 candidate uh, to be <laughs> destroyed by an incoming running back. Uh, if it doesn't happen, I certainly, I mean, it, it's hard not to like how he closed out the season. The last four games, he really uh, impressed. And, you know, when they gave him more opportunity, he did quite a bit with it. Still has some receiving chops, whether or not they'll get utilized or not, I think. Uh, but I but I really like his upside. I was actually debating there between uh, Algier and uh, uh, another rookie. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I think Algier, Algier for his, uh, at that point here, in this round, I think it's a, an eighth, a pretty good value for a RB3. Certainly finished the season strong. Uh, John, I want to go back to you real quick. You took Christian Kirk there in the seventh round. I wanted to talk about Kirk. Uh, had a great season. Absolutely worth that ADP if he can repeat it. With Calvin Ridley potentially coming back, any concerns that this might be the max you can see from Kirk? Well, if he, if he repeats it, then I think seventh round pick will be a really good value. Uh, yeah, when I saw the Ridley pick in the fifth, my first – I mean, I love Calvin, Calvin Ridley, and I think when, you know, he was still with Atlanta, we were looking at him as a third or fourth round pick, and uh, so early fifth, I think, is a little bit of uh, hoping that he is still the same player um, coming into Jacksonville. He's got to carve out a new role. Uh, so I'm not, like, convinced that Ridley will necessarily out-target Kirk or even Zay Jones, so they're just going to have three good receivers that uh, are going to um, each get their own share. And I, I don't, you know, it might be the best, the best value might end up being Zay Jones in the ninth or 10th round, wherever he goes. But I, I think Kirk, uh, they spend a lot of money on him and uh, he, he delivered this year. So I think, uh, you know, heading, you know, I, I like Kirk in the seventh better than Ridley in the fifth right now, but if, if Ridley comes into camp and looks yeah. like his old self, then I think he's a, you know, he'll be a, he'll, that ADP will, will serve, serve him well. Uh, excellent. I, I'm super happy for Christian Kirk. Just the criticism he got last year, uh, just because he signed a big contract and then to come out and play well, I was just happy to see that happen. Uh, Neil, uh, Darnell Moody, I just got to go back to you and see if you're continuing to go uh, the same way you went before, where you're trying to hate your team. Does Darnell Moody fit into that strategy or did you deviate? He's sort of given an interloper in that, you know, while I still, there is lingering resentment, I don't actually hate him, especially not at this pick. Um, this stage, I mean, he is one of the few wide receivers that the Bears have had in, you know, I don't know, the last 30, 40 years that people can think, well, actually, that might be a viable performer. He's not going to be a target monster because I think maybe it's still going to be a fairly run-heavy team 
Obviously, you'd hope they'd ramp the pass, of, uh, pass attempts up a bit, but this is a team that should bring in some competition. But just to stop the bleeding of self-loathing, I had to go with a player that I have some some affection towards. So that's why he's here. He he was the tourniquet I went with there. Can I can I add something on Mooney? Um, I think you're on mute there, Brandon. But uh, as I was as I was trying to talk myself into Mooney, I looked at his. Uh, his scoring uh, from week six to 11. And that's kind of when, you know, Justin Fields passing sort of went off or at least increased a little bit. And he was the number 16 receiver in that span. So prior to that oh, injury, wow. he was definitely trending up. And uh, so I had talked myself into him potentially there in the eighth round, certainly in the ninth round, but uh, uh, he, you know, obviously went a couple of picks before me, but uh, you know, getting Connor there, I think is pretty good, but I think Mooney, you, you, you start, we're getting to the point where we're all like, you know, maybe doing splits. We're looking at players' ages to see if it's a reasonable age at this point. I haven't done any research on any of this, but uh, you know, Mooney, number one receiver still for for the for the Bears. I don't think Claypool's going to take that over. I think he's a he's a solid pick there too. Uh, also, still pending, I've sent out uh, many requests to Darnell Mooney's team to create a podcast called Over the Mooney, a late-night dating show for those in the Chicago area. Uh, so far, he has not reached back to me, but I assume it's going to be a project that we take on this uh, this offseason. Over the Mooney, uh, coming Thursday nights, uh, at least I expect. Uh, Jeff, you went with Zeke Elliott and Khalil Herbert. Uh, first off, uh Zeke at this stage of the draft it, it's interesting to watch where he goes every year considering he continues to have a role and then I want to hear your take on that Chicago backfield in general considering David Montgomery's free agency status so Zeke is like I, I agree with a lot of people um I think Pollard's gone like they just they just don't have the money to afford him especially with Zeke's contract so that makes it a, a bit of a, a conundrum but it's just one of those things you're just betting on upside you know, with like touchdowns mainly, because like I mean, his legs are dust. Like we we saw it. Like once once Pollard went down the playoff game, like it was a wrap. They had no backfield, but like it's just one of those things. If he ends up being a bye week guy, he's not going to be a flex. If like my team, this was like an actual team, like he wouldn't be anything more than just a flex, you know, bye week fill in type of player. But yeah, I just this, he was there again. We know that they like to use him near the end zone and stuff like that. And then with Cleo Herbert. Um, I'm a big fan of David Montgomery. He's just, he just doesn't have breakaway speed. And we've seen, you know, whether it's getting, you know, the first uh, series in the second quarter or with Montgomery hurt, like Cleo Herbert has speed. Um, he can take hits, he can shed blocks. Um, his big issue is his pass protection. And we've seen a lot of backfields go to, to running backs. So if he ends up being, you know, more of the guy that, that gets, uh, 15 to 17 carries and maybe two to three targets. Cool. That's not bad. You know, as your fourth running back, you're drafting there. And then they can still draft somebody in the fifth to, you know, seventh rounds that could be more of a, a, a passing game first guy or a better um, pass protector um, that can just also catch the ball a few times and spell Herbert as needed, because that's what you're looking for. You're looking to save a little bit of money at running back. You still have Herbert, you know, costing you next to nothing because he wasn't exactly a high draft pick. I think he was like a fourth rounder. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where you can get some bang, you get some good, some good long runs out of him and just fits a nice role as a guy that can eat yards when you need him. Justin, I hate you. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Yeah. I knew you were, I knew you were eyeing him. That's why I told him. <laughs> Uh, Andrew uh, <laughs> Andrew broke the rookie receiver seal there. Tell me what you like about Johnston there, Andrew. Well, I mean, in terms of 
this wide receiver draft class is is deep, but I think he's one of the only surefire X receivers in the class. Dude is six four, projected to run a four four. You know, just one of those physical freaks who is probably going to break things at the uh, combine. Um, and you know, obviously that's going to be landing spot dependent. And the hesitation is, despite him being, you know, having all the measurables, he never really uh, dominated in college and TCU, you know, ran him outside and quite a bit. And uh, I think uh, uh, per PFF, like his best, uh, sorry. Yeah. He recorded under 50 yards in five of his 11 games, which isn't fantastic. 900 yards being his career high. Um, But I think you have to question, you know, the offense around him and his role in it uh, as opposed to that pure talent and, Feel like betting on that pure talent and i mean shoot six four 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 is never a bad bad place <laughs> yeah always enjoy uh some size and speed ratio there at the rookie receiver spot but the first one goes in the ninth round obviously uh after the draft things will change dramatically uh it's always fun chris and i talked about this last year chris uh do you like drafting rookies before the draft or after the draft better I prefer after the draft. Uh, th- this is just based off of pure ignorance on my part. I don't do enough <laughs> pre-draft analysis in order to be like, okay, well, based off of their collegiate skill set and then uh, you know where they could potentially go in the draft, I know like what their value is going to be. I more or less, I just go with the flow. Like with the Bijan thing, I've seen Bijan in some high stakes drafts going in like the second. Actually, I've seen in, uh, in one going in like the first round. So it's like, all right, I'll go with the flow. I'll take Bijan in the in the early rounds just to, you know, as kind of to feel out like what the market's going to do. But I don't know enough about these guys as of right now in order to say whether or not they're going to be productive assets at their ADP. I'd rather just wait until July, August. Sure. You know, when we have a better a better feel for not just what their skill set is, but if their skill set matches to the team that drafted them. Uh, Jen, you uh, lamented Tua going to Justin there. Was that a pick that you wanted to make? And then uh, what made you decide to continue to play quarterback chicken? Uh, he was really the only one I wanted there. And um, I almost took him actually on the on the turn prior, uh, but figured that he'd make it back. And I did not. So now it's, it's, now it's super gross. So I really don't care. Uh, which is why I'm continuing to play chicken because everyone else is very gross. It was in the minor gross and now we're in full gross. So um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, unless people start taking second, which I see Jeff already did. um, I would think that people wouldn't take a second in a 12 rounder, but I guess people are. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, John, you just took Alexander Madison. Uh, I want to, I want to ask you two questions. First off, Jen just mentioned the second quarterback concept in a 12 team, one quarterback league. Uh, is that John Paulson approved to take two quarterbacks in this type of format? And then number two, what do you like about Madison? Uh, all right. I need some help with this pick. I have, I'm, I'm one away. Um, so before I answer your question, while he's, yep, while he's waiting, I just want to throw out there, Brandon. I, I meant that it was only twelve rounds, so it's even less. Like it's twelve people, twelve uh, rounds. Uh, agreed. Yeah, that I'm, was I'm why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wanted to see who who goes here. Uh, okay, I'm Kenny Gainwell just goes. Chris just takes <laughs> Kenny Gainwell. So and we actually have a clock here, so I do not want to auto pick. Um, <laughs> Chris, uh, what record. do you? What do you think about Kenny Gainwell and Alec Pierce, the two uh, picks that you just took? Obviously, high upside players. What made you go with Pierce and Gainwell? 
Uh, for Gainwell, it's just more of a depth pick. I mean, Sanders, uh, Miles Sanders, we're assuming is going to come in and continue to be the starter for next season. But we saw Gainwell carp out like a decent role. I mean, still a decent pass catcher, good yards, like uh, yards after contact as a rusher between the tackles. So from a usage standpoint, he could be like a, just a decent uh, bi-week filler, that sort of thing, considering my assumption is I'm going to have Austin Eckler, B. John Robinson in there week in and week out. Uh, for Pierce, it's more of just a bank on they're going to improve at the quarterback position next season because we saw in flashes last year, I mean, his ability to create separation, being a downfield threat, uh, he was getting tar- like out-targeting uh, Paris Campbell, who was more of like their slot receiver, despite, you know, so as a rookie coming in and being uh, and being a downfield threat and earning targets, uh, it's like kind of a positive sign for me. And of course, you know, since I went to UC, I'm, I'm happy to try and pick up uh, one of my guys from, uh, from uh, at least one of my Bearcats if I can. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I, I love Pierce. The talent there is great. I, I'd love to see what happens with the quarterback upgrade. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, John. Uh, this is actually, you've, you've hinted on my strategy when I'm drafting with you is to distract you as much as possible. When you're picking. That's what it's my entire goal. That's what I'm doing. Uh, you ended up with Kadarius Tony there in the 11th. Uh, did I force you into that pick or was that a pick that you liked? And then what do you think about Madison? Oh, that was just kind of a panic pick. I think there is some upside there. He hasn't been able to stay healthy, uh, but you know the the Chiefs are kind of hurting at receiver, and I think that he could certainly emerge with a bigger role there. But uh, I want to get back to Madison because he he's a value pick, especially in the tenth round. He's a free agent, unrestricted free agent. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is to is to draft these really talented backups that are free agents before they go elsewhere. And I did that with Michael Turner back in the day and Lamont Jordan and. Uh, Chester Taylor, I'm, I'm really dating myself, but Madison is the next in line here who who may get a nice contract and go and be the, the bell cow. He's 24 years old, and we've seen him uh, perform at an RB1 level whenever uh, Dalvin Cook has been injured. So I definitely wanted to target him as my RB3 or RB4 in this draft, and I, I was happy to get him in the 10th. Excellent. Uh, Justin, you took my, one of my favorite players in the league, Sky Moore. Did not pan out as a rookie, uh, but what makes you optimistic about him going into next year? Just pure, pure upside. Like, like the most likely scenario is he's not going to do anything again. But we saw how they're struggling at wide receivers just this last couple of weeks. So maybe he inherits a bigger role as we head into the next offseason. The 11th round is my fifth wide receiver like that's someone that he can either pan out or i can drop him in week three it's not going to hurt my feelings you know week three in like eight months week three (laughs) um all right so uh jen kirk cousins is who you landed with uh didn't see a whole lot of difference between uh all the quarterbacks that were available and that's why you played quarterback chicken Uh, how do you feel about using your last pick on somebody like cousins in this format I mean, it's fine. I do, do I love it? No, but it's fine. And I should have taken Osborne over Thielen there. I just kind of clicked real quick. <laughs> um, absolutely should have done that. But I just, yeah, I figured why not. Um, I actually wanted Daniel Jones, and he uh, got stolen from me by Mike um, as his second quarterback. So I'm fine with Cousins. I mean, listen, if Jefferson's the number one uh, guy off the board, someone's got to throw him the ball, right? So first and sure. last, I guess, there. True. Uh, well, that does it. That's our way too early draft. I, I just want to run through everybody real quick. Favorite picks for you. So uh, first off, let's start with Jeff. Jeff, what uh, you just took Mr. Irrelevant Hayden Hurst. What's your favorite pick of the draft? Well, I had to have Justin Edwards on my team. So that's why uh, Hayden Hurst is uh, drafted. <laughs> and also Chigakonkwo got 
taken. I wanted him, but no, like honestly, if Justin Fields ends up being a fifth rounder, which I he's one of those guys that could absolutely get steamed, uh, that's probably my favorite pick, uh, just because I like that. But then, like Justin Jefferson, like having the first pick is really kind of annoying, but Justin Jefferson at one I felt pretty good with is either him or McCaffrey, so um, it's a nice way to start. Excellent, excellent, Andrew. Uh, your favorite pick, it can be your team or somebody else's team. Your call. I was going to say, I was thrown for a loop from the start by Jefferson ending up going first because that's <laughs> the last one would land. Uh, changed everything. Uh, I actually like the Chigozi and McConquo pick a lot there uh, as well. In the last round, he was he really showed out towards the end of the season. And uh, uh, the uh, blah, blah, blah. Daniel Jones pick, I think, as a later round pick, based on you know, what he did this year with virtually nobody at the wide receiver position you have to think they're going to shore that up a little bit so i think he should pr probably return value at, at adp um yeah and i think uh, of my picks um in the end i guess i would probably say uh well it's 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 rough when christian mccaffrey at the number two is your favorite pick because that's pretty much a lot of <laughs> that's, picks, but, that's uh, fine we all love christian yeah. mccaffrey Andrew. nothing <laughs> wrong with that uh chris favorite pick of the draft uh, at least for for me, it's probably my Jamison Williams pick, like there in the eighth round. Like I, I'm probably he's probably going to be one of the guys that I'm targeting heavily throughout the off season, just with the thought of him kind of overtaking DJ Chark as the perimeter receiver, them being uh, him being an efficient offense, an explosive offense. So at least I, I think Jamison, like for my team, is probably the best. Outside of that, uh, I'm mean, not going to lie. Uh, so looking at John's team, yeah, his pick of James Conner, like back there in the eighth round, I thought was like fairly solid. And then like kind of getting Michael Thomas there in the ninth. I mean, those are two picks. I mean, Conner, we know what his role is going to be like because Arizona is just going to continue to pay, you know, older running backs. And then we know that he's also going to be a pass catcher out of the backfield. And if they're going to be moving on from Hopkins, I mean, that's another guy that, I mean, I think that's a solid pick. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Neil, favorite pick of the draft? Uh, my favorite pick, as I say, assuming everything goes right, which it never does but it might do. If Hopkins stays where he is, he's going to be the number one pass catcher, hopefully on an offense that looks a little bit more vertical than it has in the past. If he goes somewhere else and is the number one, you say if you're going to get a number one receiver at that stage in the draft, I don't think that's a terrible pick. The pick other than my own that I really like, and this again assumes he stays where he is, is Miles Sanders. Now, obviously, he's not going to be the workhorse because the Philadelphia Eagles have made it abundantly clear they have no desire to turn this offense over to one running back and one running back only. But Sanders showed this year that when he's the first among equals, he can deliver value even if he's got about... Even if he catches as many NFL passes as I do this year. I really <laughs> like where he went. Excellent, excellent. Uh, you know, Neil, I'm gonna go. My favorite pick was TJ Hawkinson as the tight end five. I just I think he's probably the tight end two this year. Love him in, in the there in the fifth round. That's probably my favorite pick of the draft. Justin, favorite pick of the draft. Um, it's hard to say. I really like um Tyler Algier all the way back at the end of the eighth round. Um it's kind of a, a an easy swing on an offense that could really clear up. Um especially if Patterson continues to age. I don't know what his contract even looks like. If he ends up being a bell cow at the end of the eighth round on a presumably ascending offense, I think that's a really nice pick there by Andrew. Um, personally, for my team, um, I kind of like my sixth and seventh round with Kamara as a guy who might continue even if he takes a back seat to a, a rookie or Marquise Brown if he ends up in a larger role if DeAndre ends up leaving town. 
Good, talented receivers going late there. I love that. Uh, Jen, favorite pick of the draft? Um, from I'm gonna go. Um, for mine, I think I'm going to go with my um my running backs in six and seven, Pearson Cook. Uh, for the for the RB dead zone, I, I I like those two guys there. I think that uh, they're both young and have potential. Yeah, excellent. I also like uh, Dalvin Cook in the fourth was solid for you, Jen. I mean, yeah. I, I, that, that's good value there. Uh, and finally, uh, John Paulson, thank you so much for joining us today. What was your favorite pick of this draft? Oh, thanks for having me. I'm sorry to come in and step on anybody's toes. I just wanted to listen to the Oh, not the, at all, John. I, I, the show's always better when you're here. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm just looking at this from a whole, and this is our first draft, mock draft of the year. And, you know, seeing all these quarterbacks go early, seeing quite a few tight ends go early, I think did push uh, the running back position down pretty significantly. It'll be interesting to see if, if players like Pacheco, uh, Rashad White, A.J. Dillon, James Conner uh, are going in the eight, you know, as late as the eighth round. Um, and I did think that the receiver position was fairly thin. Like there was a drop off there. And to the yeah. point where I was really happy to get uh, Michael Thomas, <laughs> which I, it's been a few years since I've been really happy to get Michael Thomas in the ninth round. Um, you know, there's some other players that, you know, have to land, you know, Jacoby Myers is a, you know, free agent. Uh, I think Juju is as well. Uh, I think he's on a one-year deal, but there's going to definitely going to be some pieces falling, but it's hard to say like who quote unquote won the draft, because I do not have a strong take on a lot of these players at this point. I still have to do the research and everything, but as far as my, Favorite picks. I really think, you know, depending on what Arizona does at running back, but it looks like Connor's the still the RB one there. I really like him in the eighth. I really like Madison in the tenth. Um, and you know, it, I, I love a good value. So being able to add those guys to Jacobs and Pollard, who are two younger uh, running backs, uh, you know, kind of rounds up my running back room. I was a little bit worried starting uh, with three non-running backs at the at the start of the draft, but I do like the plan of getting a stud tight end and a stud quarterback and then just hitting running back and receiver really hard the rest of the draft. Excellent, excellent. We'll see if these strategies hold up over the next six months. It's going to be a long, fun season, fun off-season of drafting and draft content. Uh, check out 4for4.com. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let us know in the comments whose teams you like. Tweet at us. Uh, continue to be engaged. We love this stuff, and it's never too early despite – uh, what some of us say sometimes as we begrudgingly take part in these things in January. Thank you so much to everyone who came here on the stream and to everyone who was in this draft. Thank you for listening and have a good day.